0: and in the remnant whom the Lord shall call.
1: All right, everybody, this is Brother Frank back with another episode of The Remnant Call, and I'm glad to be here with you tonight. And I'm excited. Uh, I've got my good friend, brother in Jesus, uh, David Murray, coming on tonight. And, and folks, you know me. Um, this is a program that it is about warning. It is about waking up to the times. But even more than that, it's about sharing. This good news with a dying world that Jesus is coming again. Yeshua is coming. And we need to warn, wake up, and care for the lost in this world. Um, and I just don't understand sometimes how people call themselves a member of the body of Messiah and yet don't care about the lost. That, unfortunately, is a sign of the times that we're in, when the love of many shall grow cold. But that is not the way it is to be for the body. And Brother David is going to share with us tonight some stuff about the remnant that maybe you've never heard before. There's a lot of stuff about the remnant, and Brother David wants to hit on some deeper parts that I hope will be an eye-opener for many. Uh, just a quick announcement if you didn 't catch last week, Brother Zev uh, uh, Pit was on the show. Um, it is so exciting to hear what is going on over in Israel that the, that those that you know that are born Jewish too are now coming the revival that 's happening people are waking up to the Messiah all around the world and he 's on the front lines reaching people for Jesus over in israel and and folks, it is unbelievable. It's exciting, it's, it's, um, it, it's charging, it's energizing. The thing is, though, is that are we that energized for the lost here in the U.S.? We need revival really bad. And, uh, folks, we've got to get on this wagon that the Lord, we've got to get in step with what God wants us to do. And what he wants us to do is to take this everlasting gospel unto every single place that he sends us. So that more and more of the body, more and more of his children will come to know the truth of who Jesus Christ is. Well, I'm not going to delay a moment longer. I'm going to bring in our guest tonight with us. Brother David, are you here with us tonight?
2: I am, Frank. How you doing, brother?
1: I am doing wonderful, brother. Um, David, thank you so much. And I don't want to miss, sometimes on the program, I'll pray with my guests before the show and I forget to pray when we get started. So brother, I'm just going to ask, could you open up tonight with a word of prayer um, and just let's get this show going down the right path.
2: Sounds great, Frank. I'd be honored. Heavenly Father, we give this airways to you. Lord, your word says that uh, if any of your children, agree as touching anything in the heaven, Lord, it shall be granted unto them. Father, I thank you for the blessing uh, of my brother Frank. I thank you for the blessing for his heart. The encouragement has been to me. Uh, You just fall to the ground, Lord God. We are imperfect vessels, but you, Holy Spirit, are perfect. You are faithful to minister your word and your love through imperfect vessels. So I thank you, Lord, I glorify you. I thank you, Heavenly Father, that through the power, the resurrected life of the Holy Spirit in the church, moving through me, Lord God, that we have a message of edification, a word of correction and alignment, Lord God, that brings life to the body. Father, correction and alignment is meant to increase intimacy. I thank you for that that message going deep within our hearts tonight. We give this night to you in the name of Jesus. Amen.
1: Amen. Thank you, brother. David, it's been a while since you've been here on the show and, um, I'm just so thankful. Um, David, I, you know, this year has been, um, with some people I've been around and everything, there's kind of been this challenge to take seven people and just pray for those people. And, um, you know, I just was, uh, last week with a friend of mine and we were at this, uh, Service together, and he said, You know what? This one, this guy, uh, his nephew was giving his life to Christ and getting baptized. And he looked at me and said, You know what? He said, There's one of my seven, and several other of them are right here in the room watching. He's on a mission, brother. All of them. He's, He's not playing around. All of them he wants to bring to the Lord for salvation, to dedicate their lives to Christ. David, there's a problem right now where the love of many is growing cold, and it's a concern in the body of the care for our fellow man. And I know that this is on your heart a lot. And so, brother, I'm going to ask that you just – there's a message you have to share, and just open up and share with us uh, what the Lord has laid on your heart tonight.
2: Thank you, Frank. And, uh, yeah, praise God, what you what you cited um, – the love of many will grow cold. For, for those of us that aren't familiar with that, that, that portion, Jesus is speaking to his disciples. It's actually found in Matthew 20. And in Matthew 24, he begins to talk about the things that will take place and the signs of the things to come. And he talks about the love of many growing cold. And um, for a lot of us, we have erroneously um, taken that to mean the world will be a darker place because of the lost and um, that's not proper theology it's not proper interpretation because the scriptures make it very clear that only god's children only those who have received christ have the power have the god kind of love residing within their spirit man and when jesus talks about the love of many growing cold in the end times he's referring to the body of christ and building and one of the ways that that you know, he has me serve in the body of Christ is, is to help point us back to the father, to make small little course corrections and to kind of steer us into the times and seasons of, of what he's going through and apologize. I got to put, i um, dialing in on a new phone here and I have to put this in. Uh, I got to turn this up here. Uh, Frank, how's the audio on the end? Is the audio okay?
1: The audio is okay, but I hear this little, like, twitch thing that happens. It's like a digital scratch, it sounds like, um, periodically. I don't know if it's a headset right. let or let something. Me...
2: Don't know. Well, let me know if that becomes too distracting. And, and, guys, I apologize for that. I'm trying a new headset. My last one, is, you know, um, broke on me. So this is all we got. So hopefully it's not too much of a distraction. So I apologize, Frank. No problem. So one of the things that, that the Lord um, has laid on my heart is when I began, you know, speaking to him about and and listening to his voice about is he's yearning for his children to come into intimacy. He's yearning for greater intimacy and each generation, the call goes out for intimacy for everyone who is desiring to know their heavenly father better. And um, so, you know, what I have to share tonight, guys, um, you know, is there some correction in here? Yeah, I believe so. I believe there is, but we need to remember that that condemnation Accusations come from Satan. The blood of Jesus Christ has covered us from all past and future sin. You know, we are made the righteousness of Christ. We are sanctified. We're holy and blameless. Uh, for those of you that, that have with me or familiar with my website, dwmurray.com, I, I devote entire portions of, of just scripture for us to meditate and, and to soak in the word, to get that in our spirit, man, to transform our thinking. You know, Hebrews 10.10, 10, 2 Corinthians 5.21, Ephesians 1, four I mean, I can go on and on. Guys, we are holy and blameless in his sight, positionally, meaning no matter how we choose to relate to him, no matter how um, unsanctified we may choose to think toward him, ourselves, the lost, and the church, it never changes how he sees us. And one of the things that is hindering us from walking in greater intimacy. Uh, one of the things Father began speaking to me about in this, in this past season, coming into 2019, is many of his children do not understand sonship. We do not understand that we've been given the testimony of Jesus Christ. We don't understand the testimony of Jesus Christ, that, that, that we have been made to be overcomers through the shed blood of the Lamb, through the righteousness, the gift of righteousness that was imparted to us. And because many of us don't understand that, we have security and uncertainty and a fearful condemnation because we don't understand sonship. And where we don't understand sonship, where well, there's slavery, there brings fear. And so, one of the things that I want to talk about, the main theme is, you know. This term, the remnant, we talk a lot about the remnant. Uh, there is a biblical concept of the remnant, and there is an unbiblical of what it means, a remnant call radio. Um, because Frank, as a brother in the Lord who none of us are perfect, but, but dials into his desire is to fulfill what Jesus told us to fulfill and to walk with him, um, this is what he's called the body of Christ to do. So I want to get into this, guys, a little bit and talk about this, a couple of points. What is the definition? Where does it come from? Number two, what place does it have in New Testament covenant? Remember, guys, all the covenants from Adam through Malachi pointed to the fulfillment of the Holy Spirit being given to man. The New Covenant. We are living in the New Covenant, which the scriptures say is better than any other covenant. So what place does this term, the remnant, have in New Testament relationship? And number three, finally, who are these remnant? Who are they? What does it mean? You know, we, we much of the body of Christ is throwing this around. We're the remnant. We're the remnant. Well, uh, if we are, it will be proven out through what the Word of God says. And so we're going to touch upon what that is and what is the New Testament covenant. First, let's look at the Word, guys. The the Word starts. It, it began being introduced under the Mosaic Law. You had the Adamic covenant, you had the Noahic covenant, you had the patriarchal or Abrahamic covenant, and then eventually we were given the Mosaic covenant. It so we really the fourth major covenant to start since Adam. And under the law, it carries on through the prophets in the old covenant. It means the word remainder. It means a portion left over. So, the first most important question is, is, you know, after where it came from, what place does it have in the New Testament? In the New Covenant believer, who has the Holy Spirit inside of them, what does it have to do with us? does it have to do with us at all. Guys, let me first say, that word is not used, the phrase is not used anywhere in the New Testament to refer to a group of the body of Christ being spared of something. They will be... English translations that attempt to mistranslate the Hebrew word and the Greek word. But in Biblical, the Holy Spirit inside of us, there is no place in the New Covenant that uses that word to mean a remainder of people that will be spared judgment nowhere. And for many of us, that's going to upset us. So please bear with me. There's good news. This is news of it's God's word. We're going to go through the earth ministry of Jesus Christ and what he had to say about the times we are living in right now. And the good news that will release us into greater jealousy for more intimacy and will begin to shed the shame and the fear that many of us are dialing into. So please bear with me, guys. Uh, even though the word is not used, the phrase is not used in the way it was used under the Mosaic law prior to the, is the nation of Israel being brought into captivity, the principle of what a remainder is remains intact. The principle of until the fulfillment of Isaiah 2, 3 and Ephesians four 11, we'll talk about them, until the prophecy that Jesus gave passed on through the saints, is fulfilled, there will always be a small percentage of his children that are dialed into what's on his heart. Please, please remember, guys, Jesus said, I've come to do the will of the Father. I've come to show you the Father, and I only do what I see the Father doing. If we ever want to really begin to understand who our Heavenly Dad is, we read the Gospels. Because Jesus is the expressed image and the radiance of his glory, the scriptures say. And when Jesus demonstrated for three and a half years the nature of Father God, of Abba, as he was fulfilling the prophecies for a generation to come forth, a new covenant where Holy Spirit will live in us, he shared us keys to the kingdom, keys to Father's heart, keys to what is on his heart. And every generation, there will be a small portion of his children that remain faithful to what is on his heart and what he outlined in the Gospels. And that's what we're going to talk about. Let's go to Ephesians 4.11. So Christ himself gave the apostles, prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Guys, I want to hit on a couple of key points here. Ephesians 4.11 is saying that the different manifestations, the different equippings that he places in different members of the body of Christ, and every single one of us have gifts and callings. Everyone, there's no spectators. Those gifts were given until the entire body of Christ attains to the full knowledge and image of Jesus. It goes on to say in verse 14, then, only then, guys, verse 14, will we no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching. And cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Guys, there's a lot of winds of doctrine going on that are taking our eyes off of what's on Jesus' heart. He left us with specific teachings and understandings. He came to the earth before he ascended to the right hand of the Father for 40 days, guys, and he shared greater insights of the kingdom with the apostles and the disciples for 40 days about the kingdom and what was on Father's heart. If we read the Gospels, we'll see that. The body of Christ will rise up and express his perfect mature image. Guys, we're not there yet. We're not there yet. And he is not coming back until Ephesians 4.11 prophecy is. So if we have we feel, oh, I don't really hear from God and it's hard to hear, do I hear, is it the Holy Spirit speaking to me? Is it my soul? Is it the wounds of my soul? Is it Satan? Guys, if we're not sure, we can go to the principles of scripture. And Ephesians 4.11 tell us, before Jesus returns, before the, out, the final outpouring and harvest takes place, it will take place through the body of Christ that has finally risen up to reflect the corporate image of Jesus Christ. So up until that point, guys, there will in every generation be a remainder, those that remain faithful to what Jesus said was on Father's heart just before he released the Holy Spirit inside those who would accept him. Guys, this is amazing stuff. It's an amazing honor and privilege and birthright that we're not hearing talked about much today. So, guys, four key points of who are these new covenant remnant. This is not exhausted, These are just four main points as outlined sure, as outlined in the words of Jesus. we am going to go over four of them real quick. Number one, love is on the throne of their heart. The remnants, or those who remain faithful to the heart, will, mind, and intention of Father God and the releasing of the Holy Spirit upon the earth, remains on the throne of their heart. Love. Number two, the, rem- the remnants have their affections set on Father's heart. Number one, love is on the throne of their heart. They love more than they hate They love the Lord, the body, and the lost. Two, they have their affection set on Father's heart. Number three, the passion for fulfilling the great commission is always on their heart. Number four, they don't have a care for their own life. They're willing to lay down their lives. Four main points outlined in Scripture in the words of Jesus as to who in these end times in the fulfillment of Matthew 24, 24, 24-12, when the love will grow cold, there will be a small portion of God's spirit-filled believers that remain faithful to the call of Jesus before he ascended to the right hand of the Father. So guys, as I go through this real quick, and we're going to go through it you know, fairly quickly, we have the benefit in this day and age of using the technology to advance the kingdom and to help us edify one another. You can go back. I'm going to go over these scriptures, and I invite you to go through them. And <clears throat> excuse me, please remember, Guys, wherever you feel in alignment, whenever you feel the Holy Spirit pricking upon your spirit, your conscience, it is not condemnation. The scriptures say the accuser of the brethren stands before accusing us day and night. If you feel shamed and condemned, it's because our belief system has not received that, the truth that we are holy and blameless in his sight. So when you feel conviction, Satan will always be there to attack the areas of our belief system that have not reconciled with Father's truth about who you are as his son and daughter. So please understand that. The conviction of the Holy Spirit motivates to repentance because it facilitates greater intimacy. Satan always looks to condemn and say we're unworthy and reject the blood of Jesus Christ that washed us from all sins. Please bear that in mind as you listen to these things. So number one, love is on the throne of their heart. The remnant love more than they hate. Mark twelve thirty, Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind. John thirteen thirty four, a new command I give you. Now, guys, this is the new covenant that we live in. This is the fulfillment of all of the covenant spirit living in us. Jesus says in John 13:34, a new commandment I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. Guys, that expression, the Greek, as I have loved you, means in the exact same image that I have loved. It means to represent in the exact same nature and image. Jesus is saying in the exact same way I love you, you are to love others with the exact same power and passion. So from John thirteen, Jesus continues, John fifteen fourteen now. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. And then guys, he goes on two verses later, John fifteen seventeen, to make sure it's made clear. This is my command. Love each other. So in John 13, he says, I'm giving you a new commandment, love one another the same way I love you. In John 15, he says, you are my friend if you do what I command you. And then he reiterates to make sure there's no confusion, that he's not talking about external self-righteous acts. In 1570, he reminds them, guys, this is my command, love each other. So let's go on to Romans 13:8 now. Be under obligation to no one. The only obligation you have is to love one another. Whoever does this has obeyed the law. Why? Because Jesus made it very clear to the new covenant believers, the new law is the law of love. 1 Peter 4.8. Above everything, love one another earnestly because love covers over many sins. 1 Corinthians 16:14. do all your work in love. Guys, the Greek word for in means submersed. Everything you need, you do. All your work is submersed in love. 1 John 4:12. no one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in union with us. And his love is made perfected or mature in us. We are sure that we live in union with God and that he lives in union with us because he has given us his spirit. Guys, I want to stop on that just for a minute. Please note, it doesn't say we're not saved and born again if we don't love one another. It says we are not in union with God if we don't love one another. That's a red flag. To the degree, guys, that we have received and are willing to accept that what Satan taught us growing up is a lie and what God's word says about us is true, is to the degree that we receive his love, is to the degree that we're in union with him, and to that same proportion, we will love the lost, the church, and ourselves. Guys, that's kingdom living. 1 John 3.18, My children, our love should not be just in words and talk. It must be true love, which shows itself in action. So guys, we've been given a new heart and a new spirit. The prophecies in Ezekiel and Jeremiah make it very clear. The new covenant is going to be better because we will have union with him because our spirit man will be filled with the kingdom. The remnant, those that have remained faithful to these words of Jesus that he talked about so far, right? And this is a pretty tough one, love. We can't fake it. A lot of times we, we, we walk in the, in the... In the the fruit of self-control and we call it love but inside our heart is boiling with anger we're not walking in union with his heart guys which tells us we have rejected we have not embraced his gift of how much he loves us unconditionally it's a poison that's seeping into the body of christ it has a stranglehold it's choking out the life of the body of christ when i say choking out i don't mean we're losing our salvation guys I mean, we're not walking to the full measure of Jesus Christ that is our privilege as sons and daughters. The remnant are those who walk in the gift and power of the Holy Spirit living inside of them. They love because they have allowed the truth of how God sees us to change and heal their souls, to heal their wounds, to change their thinking and their belief system. Guys, there's a lot of fear and shame and condemnation being taught and preached in this hour. It leads to a Pharisee spirit is a lot of delusion in this hour, in this generation, where we're starving. We are spiritually starving, and our souls are atrophy and growing cold, because we are, not, we are not seeking, many of us, the milk of the word. We're not seeking union with Jesus Christ. There's fear and shame motivating us. That comes from Satan, guys. That does not mean the vessel who says it is, is, uh, is a witch or a warlock. It means they're not walking to the degree that the, they are speaking from anger is the degree that we're out of union with Father's heart. You know, a lot of us, what we, we fall back on, well, there's our righteous anger. Yeah, there is, guys. But we cannot walk in righteous anger until we first walk in the manifest presence of love. Only the manifest presence of love releases righteous anger. Until we walk in union with him in love, we cannot discern or walk through the righteous anger that comes from his heart towards sin. And one of the signs of that, guys, if we're angry at people and judging people, it's not righteous anger. That's not me. That's scripture. I can't get off in rabbit trails. Uh, so, so that's number one. We love the body of Christ, guys. I'm going to go on to love. Right? We talked about they love the Lord, love the body, and they love the lost. Let's talk about loving the body of Christ. Matthew 25:31. Jesus talks about the goats and the sheep. Right? If we read the, the, the Jesus's words in Matthew 25:31, he says that which you have not done to the least of these. My children, you have not done to me. You know, we don't really talk about the lot of sheep and goats. Sheep and goats is not even talking about the lost here. It's talking about how we treat one another in the body of Christ. And Jesus takes that very personally. He says what you have done for them, you've done for me. What you have not done to the least of them, you have not done for me. You've rejected me. 1 Corinthians 12:26. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Guys, how much do we see or speakers or on our heart rejoicing with somebody else, rejoicing and blessing in our prayer time, another believer, exalting in them, and and if they're suffering, we suffer with them in empathy. Right, for many of us, we see someone suffering we say, well, they, they must be in sin. Or look, I see, I didn't agree with their teaching. Their teaching was off, it was false, and they're going through a tough time. You know, God's, God's punishing them. That's unbiblical. I'm not going to find out in the New Covenant. Guys, and it's funny because First, First Corinthians 12:26, right? It's the prelude to 1 Corinthians 13, an entire chapter on love. It is the only chapter dedicated to the only main theme of Father's nature. Entire chapter that talks about the divine nature of God and how we are meant to walk submersed in it. 1 Corinthians twelve twenty one, The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked, so that there would be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. Guys, that's talking about koinonia. That's talking about deep love, intimacy, and fellowship. That is not a recommendation. Hebrews 10.25, when it says, Do not forsake in the uh, assembling of yourselves together. Please understand, you know... <laughs> I left some traditional ways of fellowshipping. Um, you know, when I was uh, going on 20 years old, I'm going to be 47 uh, shortly. And when I was 20, I, I began seeking different ways of fellowship where I could um, seek brothers and sisters that just wanted more of God and less tradition. And that, I was clubbed with that scripture verse a lot. Guys, the context of not forsaking one another was that people were afraid of persecution, and so they wouldn't gather together because they were afraid that they would be uh, imprisoned and executed. It wasn't men as law. The writer of Hebrews is saying, is, guys, don't forsake this because it's a great honor and blessing. Guys, fellowship is not an obligation. It is a blessing. Matthew eighteen twelve, the parable of the sheep. This isn't the same as the sheep and goats in Matthew 25. Matthew eighteen twelve talks about going after the one sheep that is backslidden. Not hating and judging it. But guys, for many of us here in the United States, if someone gets off, we see someone who's gotten off doctrinally or they don't walk in the image of God. Or, you know, this person, oh look at him, he claims to be a Christian. Look how you know he you know, he you know, his life isn't sanctified at all. And we release judgment and, and hatred on them. And we partner with Satan, the accuser of the, bre- the brethren. And we allowed demonic forces to channel through us, accuse that person day and night. Guys, that's a form of witchcraft. I don't have time to get into that. Uh, but Jesus won after the backsliding. The sheep were those that were already in the shepherd's pen. And one went astray. And Father is calling to us to have that heart, a love. Loving the lost, guys. Luke 10.25, let's move on to that loving the lost. The parable of the good Samaritan. Guys, the, this, that parable was so offensive to the Jews and to the legalism of the Jews in the same way it's offensive to the Pharisee spirit in the church today. For a Samaritan to help a Jew When the Jews hated Samaritans, they were a hybrid false perverted covenant of the result of of the northern uh, city of Samaria being conquered and exiled from the Syria and the Assyrians. And they came back with an amalgamated twisted form of of Israeli Mosaic covenant and Assyrian uh, paganism. And the Pharisees hated the Samaritans and that poison seeped over to the entire nation of Israel. So, when Jesus talked about a Samaritan being the one who was the brother and being the one who acted as the neighbor, he, there's just no equivalent here. How offensive that was to the legalistic, self righteous people listening. Jude 23, save others by snatching them from the fire. To others, show mercy mixed with fear, hating even the clothing. Stained by corrupted flesh, guys. We hate the clothes. We don't hate the lost, right? We're seeing a theme being built upon itself. Matthew twelve thirty one. This is in response to um, Matthew twelve thirty that we talked about. Love your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength, right? A lot of us say, "Well, I, that's me. That's me, Lord. I love you with all my heart." But as we've read here, we see that to the degree that we love others shows the degree we truly love God and love what's on his heart. In Matthew 12.31, Jesus continues, the second greatest commandment is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Remember, guys, in that story, who's described as the neighbor is the Samaritan. Those that were hated by the Jews because they didn't see things the same way the Jews did. They were lost. Guys, in our history, every every century, there were those who were martyred for the sake of preaching the gospel. In this generation right now, there are those being martyred all over the world. They have remained faithful to what's on Jesus' heart and they love. Right now the remnants are being martyred all over the world. Number two, they have their affection set on Father's heart. Those who have remained faithful in this generation to what's on Father's heart They remain faithful to the words of Jesus. They're dialed into his heart. Colossians 3, two. set your affection on things above, not on things of earth. Guys, this isn't talking about just heaven. We often think, oh, think about heaven. No, heaven, God sits on the throne of heaven. Heaven is is the spiritual, tangible expression of his nature. When it's saying "Set set your affections on things above, it's referring to the kingdom in which there is a king who governs his kingdom with laws, and those laws are based upon the law of love. No escaping it, guys. 2 Timothy 2.4, no one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. Guys, we as his children have no business seeing things through a carnal perspective. There's nothing, well, let me take my Christian hat off and let me talk about politics here. Let me take my hat off. I got a clock in and punch in at work. I'll put my hat back on when I get home. It doesn't work like that. The remnant have their affections set on Father's heart. Philippians 4.7, The peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Guys, the the remnant are filled with the peace and their minds walk in the mind of Christ. Galatians 1.10, Am I now trying to win the approval of humans or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. The remnant in this generation are not bound by a fear of rejection, fear of failure, fear of punishment. They're not afraid of being shamed. The greatest indicator of fear in our souls, guys, is the degree that we're angry and judgmental toward others and that we have shame toward ourselves. Those are great litmus. If we're angry and judgmental and feel shame or feel shame toward ourselves, uh, it's a great indicator meaning a strong indicator that we are living in fear. We're to seek to please Father God. Now, guys, that's a slippery slope. When I talk about pleasing Father God, he sees us as holy and blameless and pleasing. But our actions are meant to be an outflow of intimacy with him. The deception in this hour is, is works. So there's a spirit of Pharisee in the church. Right? denying the power, spirit of Antichrist and Pharisee work hand in hand. We have a form of godliness, but we deny the power of the Lord Jesus Christ in our lives. And we think that we can attain to God. How many times do we hear one another say, "You know, Lord, I just, I just pray I'm counted faithful to be one of the remnant. We don't have to ask God. It's not up to him. The king, he's already in us, guys. <laughs> Holy Spirit is already in us. He's already here. He's waiting for us to choose him. In the same way there was the knowledge tree of good and evil, knowledge of life, tree of life. Every day we get to choose. So number three, guys, we talked about um, there's a love, the Lord, the body of the lost. Number two, we have their affection set on Father's heart. Number three, the remnants of this generation have a passion for fulfilling the Great Commission. And this is a key point, and this is one of the things that always blesses me when I tune in and listen to Frank. Uh, amongst all the other things we're going to talk about is the Great Commission. Matthew 28, 19, go therefore, this is Jesus speaking, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to, earn, to observe all things that I have commanded you. Now again, let's remember, what did Jesus command them? To walk in love. Mark sixteen, fifteen. And he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. Guys, we, we often use that to club people. Whoever doesn't believe is going to be condemned. Guys, please hear Father's heart exactly. They're going to hell. Jesus made it clear before he left. So, guys, if they don't believe, they're going to hell. That's why you're to go and preach the good news. Guys, the gospel, the word gospel means good news. The good news is that Jesus came and gave back to man with the first Adam forfeited. Jesus is the second Adam, the fulfillment, the first seed of the restoration of all God's children back to him. The good news, that's why Jesus said the good news, to preach the good news, Jesus said to the disciples, while he was still on the earth. The good news is I have come. I am, dist- I am giving back to man what was forfeited in the garden. He said that on earth. We are still on earth. The gospel is right here and right now and the authority over all of the wickedness of the God of this world. That is the gospel. And then we go on to speak how we receive, how we get the gospel, how we walk in the kingdom is by receiving the gift of righteousness, by receiving that we're holy and blameless, that he made us spotless in his eyes because of what he did, not anything we can do or beg. Right? Exposing that spirit of Pharisee a little bit, guys. Luke fourteen twenty three another parable. The master said to the servant, go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. Fulfilling the great commission, Acts 1, 7, and 8. And Jesus said to them, it is not for you to know the times and seasons which the father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. Guys, Samaria is all around us. Right now, it's in much of the church. And the remnants of this generation have the great commission on their hearts because it was the last thing Jesus told them to fulfill to go get Father's lost sheep that Jesus was tortured to get. And that brings us back down, guys. What are we to be witnesses to as we get to our last point? Jesus said, behold, the kingdom is at hand. Guys, the testimony of Jesus is that he has come and given back to man with Adam. He has redeemed us and restored the pathway to intimacy and fellowship. Guys, this is the testimony of Jesus. Final part, guys. Number four, key point with the remnant in this generation is they do not have a care for their own life. They do not care if they live or die. They have an eternal perspective because they have their affection set on Father's kingdom. Because they love, because they love the Lord, because they receive the Lord's love, they love the body of Christ, they love the lost, the great commission is on their heart, they have their affection set on Father's heart, and because of that, the remnant do not care if they live or die. Greater love has no man than this, than a man laid down his life for his friends. Guys, the church is your friend. How often are we willing to lay down and to pray for someone who's struggling, hating the sin, hating the clothes, loving them? Romans 5, 7, very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, but for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his love for us in this, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Revelation 12:11, they triumphed over Him, meaning Satan. They triumphed over Him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. Guys, Revelation 12:11 gives all three expressions of love: love for God, the church and the lost. Guys, we like to talk about Daniel and the fulfillment of certain things to come and, 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 and Revelation and talk about all the encrypted things in Revelation and seek it out. It's very simple. The remnant will not shrink from death. Because with their dying breath right now, all over the world, there are remnants being martyred and have an eternal reward in heaven. Because their hearts are dialed into what's on Father's heart, that if just one person who's bound up by demons like we once were, rejecting salvation that have come to the light, bring one person, it was worth it. So, guys, in summary, where did the definition come from? It started in Deuteronomy, it started under the Mosaic Law, the fourth major covenant that God cut, and it talked about a remainder of that would be spared from judgment when Israel would go into captivity because of their uh, witchcraft and rebellion. The place it has in the New Testament, guys, there is no remainder that talked about in the New Testament. None. Not according to the, the, the Mosaic theology. The remnant was Mosaic theology under a Mosaic covenant. There's a difference between a replacement theology, a remnant theology, Um, that's going around that has no place in the New Testament. You won't find anywhere, guys, because we live in the New Covenant. And in the New Covenant, the principle is the same thing. There will always be a small portion that remain faithful to what was on Jesus' heart that he taught in the three years he was on this earth. Up until the generation that comes, where we finally say, Lord, I want you more than anything else. And the Holy Spirit lays his hand hard in conviction and in love on the body of Christ, and we begin joining together once again, mutually edifying each other, returning to the ways of the Lord in love. And then that generation will rise up to the full statue of Jesus Christ. And I have time to get into it, but the Bible talks about when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Lord will raise up, the standard of the Lord will be raised up against them. Isaiah talks about the kingdoms will see a light as the times come darker. It's not, it's a time yet to come, guys. We're in it. There will be a generation where the body of Christ walks in the power and nature and image of Jesus Christ and we're going to see an incredible end times harvest before his return. So guys, some ups on the throne of their heart have their affection set on Father's heart they have a passion for the Great Commission but they don't have a care for their own lives and final thoughts toward this guys is wherever we are out of alignment in this wherever we're out of alignment we've been deceived into thinking we need to earn his love by our own self-righteousness Guys, it's a Pharisee spirit. It couples with the spirit of Antichrist because the spirit of Antichrist has a form of godliness but denies the power of the testimony of Jesus Christ. So, guys, there's no condemnation in this. This is a clarion call to the body of Christ to return to his heart and what Jesus instructed us for these times. Love releases the power of the Holy Spirit within us. It transforms our thinking. It transforms our heart. It changes our soul. Romans 12.2 says that our soul needs to be transformed, and then we will understand his heart and his ways. We're meant to live supernaturally, guys. We can't fake it. We can't, we can't hear read some scriptures and then just say, well, I'm going to choose to love people. It does not work that way. Love is a state of being. It's a frequency of heaven. That's right. I said the word frequency, right? Satan just robs everything. Guys, everything operates. God created sound waves. He created sound waves in this realm. He created sound waves in the spirit realm. And heaven operates on the frequency of love. We have to be dialed into his heart. It will transform us. So, Brother Frank, thank you for, as always for allowing me to share a little bit of what's on Father's heart. We all have a piece of the Lord's heart. We're all meant to encourage one another as as we continue to, to see His goodness. The Word will become clear and clear. And so I, I pray this was a uh, blesses some of the some of the brothers and sisters that tune in.
1: Amen. Uh, you know, uh, David, you mentioned something, and um, you know about being the remnant. Um, it you don't get freed. You don't get to escape. Judgment, things that are going on. Uh, You don't get to escape suffering. But folks, there's one thing that David has talked about that you get to escape, and that's condemnation. And that is the most freeing, most liberating thing as a believer is to escape the condemnation of this world and your own heart. And when you are free from the condemnation of this world, the joy that you will experience—it's—it's it's such a game changer. And um, like I've mentioned, it took me several years. Um, and thank goodness, uh, running into Brother David and to truly find out who I am in Christ Jesus. And when I found that, all of a sudden, the attacks, the 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 things that were done—they didn't hurt like they did anymore because the I no longer got my value they couldn't condemn me that the cushion necessarily and I hate to use that word because compared to what others go through it's nothing but that will not stop your things happening tough times that will not stop but when the condemnation is gone it's like a new birth into the kingdom And, folks, that is what we're doing when we offer the gift of salvation to somebody, releasing them from the condemnation that the world, their parents, their family, their hearts has given them and free them to be truly free in Christ Jesus. Uh, Folks, when you feel, and David, you were talking about earlier about that pricking of the heart, it's not condemnation. Actually, folks, it's, it's actually grace. Grace is the mortal enemy of sin. And when you start to backslide, grace comes in like warrior. And, and God, that's God doing everything in his power without, without forcing you to come back. And that war you feel within, that's the spirit of the living God saying, you don't have to go this way. And so often we turn it into condemnation instead of understanding that it's the Lord fighting for us. Grace came so that sin would no longer have dominion over us. And so when you start to slide into that sin, grace comes in and wars against it. That, I don't know, Brother David, when I, when, that, when I put those pieces together, it's such a good feeling To know that that's my God fighting for me. Amen. That's not a. It's not condemnation.
2: Yeah, and guys, just to I know we're running out of time here. We got to close up. But just to dovetail what Frank's saying, guys, please hear me. When Frank's talking about sin, there's two aspects, right? Galatians six eight says if we sow to the carnal world, we're going to reap, you know, pain, suffering, fear, shame in our lives. If we sow to the truth of God's kingdom, we'll reap the life of Jesus Christ. That's Galatians six eight. So there's a couple of ways. We can backslide, guys, from turning away from just walking with him. But, guys, right now, many of us are backslidden to what's on his heart. It's not about works. The church is backslidden to the love of God, to what's on his heart, to the commission, to loving one another. And, guys, the remedy to that is find out what Jesus did for you. Find out what it means to be the righteousness of Christ. Find out what Colossians one twenty one means, 2 Corinthians 5.21. Find out what it means to be holy and blameless. That's where we're backslidden. We have slidden away from the love of God and are in a fearful condemnation. We're being condemned. We think God's condemning us. We know Satan is, and we all just say we're just unworthy, uh, putrid vessels. And there's no life in that. And it's choking the love out of the church. So um, I just mm-hmm. wanted to, to add that to dovetail into what you were saying, Frank.
1: No, thank you. And folks, this the hardest thing sometimes is to love that person that feels – that seems unlovable. And I just – a simple thing, my father always preaches to me, my earthly father, is um, something he learned years ago. When he runs into that person who just – it's very difficult to love. And uh, my father – tells me, he says, son, he says, he asks God, he says, Lord, show me how you love that person. And he says, God never fails him to soften his heart and to teach him how to love that person. Because God loves the sinner. He, because that's what each one of us are. And he just desires to share the same gift that he's given us with other people. This amazing God says it's not his will that any should perish. Why would we be surprised if he wants and desires us to share that life-giving, saving news of Jesus Christ? We shouldn't be surprised that that's what's on his heart. He gave everything. Go ahead. We got two minutes, David. No,
2: I just, you know, it's 30 seconds. Guys, the reason why we don't love is because we don't believe God loves us.
0: Mm. We
1: truly don't.
2: We don't believe it. And so we don't love others. Because Mm. to the, the degree we know we're forgiven, we forgive. To the degree that we are loved or believe we're loved, we love others. Because the love comes out of our spirit, man, transforms our mind, will, and emotions and pours out through us to minister Christ such as we have. Such as we have, we give. Guys, if we're struggling with loving, the answer is find out how much he loves you. Get into the word. Guys, my blog is not perfect, but there's on my blog I spent I spent the last four years writing about scriptures and teaching and parting how much God loves us. It's not a
1: license to sin. Anyone who's looking to sin is missing the point
2: of it all. Intimacy comes through a revelation of love, and then we'll love others.
1: Amen. God bless everyone. This is Brother Frank and Brother David on the Remnant call, saying to everyone, good night and shalom.
0: There was a man in